0: This book is for my father. I suppose it is the way of most sons never to tell their fathers that they love them, but perhaps they can write it. Thank you, Papa, for everything you gave us and everything you taught us. Break out a deck of cards. Preface. The Orange Bowl, Miami's iconic rickety football stadium, was the venue for the glory years of Miami football. From the hometown Dolphins' perfect year of 1972 and their Super Bowl runs of the 1970s, to the rise of the University of Miami Hurricanes and their first collegiate national championship in 1982. When my parents moved the family, five kids, to Miami from Washington, D.C. in the mid-1960s, they bought season tickets to the Dolphins and held them for a few decades. My father often lent the tickets out, but he occasionally returned to Dolphins games after I left for college. It was part of growing up for me, watching the Dolphins in searing heat, and attending that first Hurricanes National Championship victory in the Orange Bowl. It was there that my career started, and this story begins. Months into graduate school, studying English literature at the University of Virginia, things weren't going entirely smoothly. The students were too good, Not competitive, in a negative way, just too smart, too focused, and too driven. My grades weren't good. David Letterman was a great diversion on late-night television, and I soon understood that I would never be able to pursue a doctorate and settle into professorship. As I searched for the next step, teaching kids to love literature seemed like a good option, until three dozen high schools rejected my resume, all in similar letters that I taped to the refrigerator door. After earning a master's degree in literature, I found myself working at a tiny newsletter publishing company in the suburbs of Washington. Not much of a career, wearing my dad's old suits, wide 1970s lapels and all, and commuting to a high-rise office building in suburban Bethesda, Maryland, making $13,500 a year. It was clear this wasn't the future. Until my father called. He told me that Al, our old seatmate at the Dolphins games and a man I'd known from my childhood, had seen an employment advertisement in the Wall Street Journal. It was the years of Reagan budget bumps for defense, and the CIA was growing rapidly. They needed new people, and they were hiring. Only a month or two into the newsletter job, I already knew it wasn't for me. Not knowing anything about the CIA, it nonetheless sounded a lot more interesting than what I was doing. It was international, with the allure of travel, and working with an organization with a brand name that inspired awe across America and around the world. And despite my lack of depth on international affairs, I, like any reader of the Daily Washington Post, had a regular diet of global events on my doorstep every morning. It seemed interesting, and it had to pay a lot better than my newsletter job. There was no online Wall Street Journal in 1984 obviously, and no way I could think of to contact the CIA. Without Google, how did a prospective applicant submit a resume? Dial information and ask for the CIA switchboard? So, as an enterprising 23-year-old, I hopped in my rickety Chevrolet Chevette, resume in hand, and drove right up to the front gate of the CIA headquarters, in the leafy suburb of Langley, Virginia, off the George Washington Parkway that runs along the Potomac River. Security around CIA headquarters increased in later years after terrorism at home in America became a concern and two CIA employees were murdered near the front gate. But when I drove up, I immediately found myself before the guard station at the entrance. No concrete barriers, no visitor center. I'll never forget it. What do you want? The armed guard asked and like naive college graduates the world over, I thought I had a good explanation for a rash drive across town to one of the most secure facilities in Washington. I understand you're running newspaper advertisements for new employees, and I have my resume here, I answered, through a rolled-down car window. It's hard to imagine what the guard thought, but I had no other option I could think of in order to offer my application to a place I'd only ever heard of in movies and books. I didn't have the journal ad, which presumably had a forwarding address for resumes. He directed me to a nondescript building in nearby Rosslyn, Virginia, directly across the old Key Bridge from the exclusive townhouses of Georgetown. So I drove there, left the resume with the receptionist, and drove home, thinking that would be the end of that. A secretary at the entrance took my resume and said they'd be in touch. That was the kiss of death for a job seeker especially with the track record of three dozen turndowns from high schools across the Northeast.